Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself have a special show discussing a comment that was left on our website. Hi, Jason and Brian. It's great to see you guys today. Hi, Brett. Good to see you, too. Yes. Hi to the both of you. We are we are <laughs> podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to be here a, again. Is that a present active yeah. indicative? Is that what yeah, that's right. Let's, let's parse this in the Greek today. <laughs> Greek got, out today. Got three pastors together talking theology, talking shop. This is great. Um, so... Jason, what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to kind of come up for a breather, uh, take a break from the Ten Commandments for one episode. There's an issue uh, that, uh, an issue, a concern, a comment on our website on one of the podcast episodes in the past that we really wanted to spend some dedicated time on because it's a real concern and mm-hmm. it's you know something uh, we need to clear up, uh, clarify, uh, apologize for, but it gives us also an opportunity to talk about the gospel. And I think mm-hmm. every so often Any when we yeah, talk about the gospel, is good. we kind of get focused, we kind of get tunnel vision and talking about the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I said, it's good to come up for air, talk about the gospel a little bit, talk about how all of this that we've been talking about with the Ten Commandments uh, relates to the gospel. But the real question is, does it deal with vocation? It will. It always will. <laughs> ding, ding. Uh, yeah. the, the question, the, the answer to that is, are you alive? And if the answer is yes, then it deals with vocation, because vocation is the entire Christian life, which is why I put such an emphasis on it all the time. <laughs> well, there we go. Awesome. So, and I was trying to remember... Which episode this came? This comment came in. This, this comment comes from episode ten. Okay. And uh, why don't you read the comment, Brett? And sure. then we can. I can kind of qualify the context mm-hmm. uh, before we start kind of walking back our gloss over a major issue. Sure. All right. So here's a question from our listener, and they say, "If someone sins against us, are we not to worry about that? Really?" So we are never to call the police in case of a crime or abuse? What does this tell people who are suffering under systematic abuse in their homes or in their churches? Thank you very much for this this question. Yeah, this is uh, really important uh, that Paula brought this up. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how she identified herself on the comments. Sure. So I feel free to use that. It's public uh, for everyone there to go see on beinglutheran.com. And again, uh, not to use this time for you know a, a shameless plug, but mm-hmm. we need it out. we need feedback from you guys. This is you know we need to know if we missed something or mm-hmm. if we misstated or overstated a case. Uh, and the best way for you guys to do that is to to comment, to contact us. You know we've received some emails already. Mm-hmm. This is great. Uh, it's good for us to know that people are listening. But beyond that, we want to be communicating accurate biblical information. Mm-hmm. And when uh, we fail to do that in a way. Yep. Uh, that is beneficial. We need to know that so we can kind of address those. Right. And, and all we ask is as people do make those comments, do it with the love of Christ, mm-hmm. with a humility, gentleness, mm-hmm. and with patience, as Paul prescribes in Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, That's especially right. we're, we're, we're mostly on a three to four week delay from when we record to when the stuff gets posted. So, you know, it's not going to be immediate uh, in that way, but we do want to take the time mm-hmm. to, to address this. And so, and we're more than willing to do that. If there's a question like this where mm-hmm. we feel like there's a need for correction or clarification on a point made, uh, we want to seek to be uh, humble in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And so Paul is commenting on episode 10, 
And in the context here, I think we've said it a few times. I'm pretty sure we've said it even recently. One of the things I say is that when we come uh, into contact with the law, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the purposes of the law is to save our neighbor or protect our neighbor from our sinful selves. And so what I say is we are not to be concerned when people sin against us, but we're to be concerned with how we are sinning against people. Now, uh, on a basic level, what that means is that we have this temptation to do what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7, whereas he says, don't worry about the speck that is in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye. This is the attitude, is that uh, when we come under conviction or accusation of the law, our response as sinful people is to start looking especially for trivial ways uh, in which others have sinned against us, in which we have been deprived of our perceived or actual rights. Mm-hmm. And so the context of that text, that is the case here, yeah. but on the subject of it, yeah. and that's where... Um, and, and, and so like, uh, I, in my apology to Paula, I wrote uh, that uh, I overstated. Uh, basically, is the comment was overstated because of the context. And in trying to prove a point, I went beyond where I should have gone without qualifying it. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where we're sorry, uh, and we've, we've reached out and apologized to Paula. But the bigger issue is here, we really have this opportunity and need mm-hmm. to address the fact that, first of all, people are victims of crimes, right. obviously, uh, but they're victims of crimes and abuse in places where God has placed a hedge of protection around people, mm-hmm. and that hedge should remain intact. In our homes, people are are, uh, victims of abuse. And in churches, uh, which as pastors, I know this breaks all of our hearts, uh, people are abused, chewed up, and spit out by their churches. And uh, it it is to those people that we're especially reaching out to today. uh, We want to say we're sorry Mm -hmm. uh, if we minimized uh, the effect uh, of what you've experienced. That is not the intention. It is very easy for us in teaching a theological point to get tunnel vision on this uh, on the subject we're talking about without realizing the practical real life ramifications of what we're saying mm-hmm. and that's what we're kind of wanting to address in this episode. Sure. You know it kind of reminds me of when Jesus said to turn the other cheek mm-hmm. and how some people would take that to say well I, I should just keep turning my cheek. Or, or some people maybe say well I only have two cheeks to yeah. <laughs> after that I'm going to retaliate but um, yeah, it's good to keep the the whole counsel of God's word yeah. in in mind in, in issues like this, and uh, to move forward as in response. And I've even had people bring up that verse and say, "So if I'm being abused, do I just let that person abuse me?" Right, no. yeah. and that's not and the context not of the that case. verse either. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways to kind of address this issue, but but one of the ways I, I want to bring up first is that where human institutions have mm-hmm. failed you, if if you've been Uh, abused by a father, if you've been abused by the church, or even if you've been the victim of a crime, uh, this is where the gospel really shines out for you because Mm -hmm. the the proclamation of Scripture is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, our triune God is those things 
for you where humans have failed. And, you know, we talked in seminary a lot of, you know, speaking with sensitivity about our good and gracious father mm-hmm. to people who might have been abused by parents, but uh, but still taking the time to highlight if you've been abused by a father, if you've been abandoned by a parent, the message of scripture is that God is going to be that father that doesn't abuse you, that always receives you into his loving arms, that will never leave you or forsake you. That's the gospel. Uh, where people have been, like I said, chewed up and spit out by the church, uh, God is that place of refuge for you, that, that place of protection, that place where you are, where you ought to be, and in the true expression of the situation where you will receive the healing balm of the gospel, the forgiveness of your sins, uh, the protection against this, uh, you know, these external uh, enemies that are constantly barraging you and inundating you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tearing at your conscience, uh, at your very identity. Uh, and the church is to be the place uh, where you are protected. And when that doesn't happen, the God of the church is still one who will protect you, is still one who will heal you, is still one who forgives you and, and loves you. Uh, and we want to announce that. That's really where the mm-hmm. gospel shines through. Mm-hmm. I also remember that when we talked about the fourth commandment, honor thy father and mother, that was something that we also talked about. If you have abusive parents or bad parents, and I remember you very clearly saying that, hey, if you're in an abusive situation, call the cops, get help, mm-hmm. go to someone you trust, a pastor mm-hmm. uh, or uh, a church leader. So it's definitely something um, that we have to be aware of. And it's definitely something, unfortunately, that is real. And I even know of a congregation where they're in the process of bringing their leaders to a point where they're going to apologize to the congregation for some of the wounds that past leaders uh, have brought on and um, inflicted upon the congregation. And they're kind of taking the high road. And there's a really wonderful article that I read recently. And, and what it does is it instills trust into people. Uh, it allows people to see humility. And it allows people to see that the leaders are more concerned about the people's hearts than they are about being right. And there is really a, a strength in apologies. And there's really a, str- a strength in owning um, any type of abuse or acknowledge any type of abuse that's going on, especially within the church. And I think that's where us as leaders, as Christian leaders and pastors, we need to be leading the way in that way, because that is the gospel. And, and one thing we should state here, too, before we get too far down uh, this road, is if you have been abused mm-hmm. or uh, a victim of an actual crime, mm-hmm. at the very basic, most foundational level, Please report it. Please talk to someone right. and, and, and pursue authorities. This and is, you know, I th- I think that's the the blessing of being Lutheran and having this idea of vocation is that we we pull in the vocations of a police officer or mm-hmm. of other authority figures that can handle and should handle issues of abuse like this, and it's just interesting to see having that that whole structure of that worldview of vocation of of the gospel meeting us in in our brokenness and and, uh, and hurt from a terrible thing 
And and so it's just neat to see how that plays out in real life. And and in the realm of the catechism, which you know is kind of the the context that spawned this discussion, we would recognize that this is really where the Ten Commandments are tied into the rest of the catechism because this is first article of the creed stuff where God is our creator and provider. It's also fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer stuff where God provides us with our daily bread mm-hmm. in, in that we have the benefits, especially in the free society of American culture, which we won't get into political discussion or, mm-hmm. or, or future prognostication. You have been provided by uh, God with authorities to protect you from these situations. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, if you're in an abusive situation, if you've been a victim of the crime, we beg you, uh, we encourage you, we exhort you, uh, go and, and report to the authorities that, you know, mm-hmm. justice uh, is something God is very concerned about in the Bible, uh, and, and we would ask you that you would cry out for justice. And I think, you know, sometimes we get this idea where we see things on TV, uh, especially when it comes to clergy on TV, it's yeah. so misrepresented. Right. Yes, there's an aspect um, of privacy when you go talk to a pastor, but we are mandatory reporters of certain crimes that we have to right. uh, report by law, uh, that we have a sworn duty mm-hmm. to uphold the laws of the land as Christians and Christians pastors. So even if you are in a situation and you're maybe you're too afraid to go to the police, go to a pastor you trust, a good one, because most of the times they are mandatory reporters and they do have to do that unless you're a part of the Catholic Church. That's the only denomination that I know that has any qualification for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I want to kind of really pursue this line of thought with injustice and oppression because it's a major theme in scripture. And one of the books that really does a good job of talking about this and how God interacts with this is the book of Amos. Now, if you read through Amos, there's almost no gospel in that book. God is railing against the failure of his own people and especially the failure of the leaders of his people to be agents of justice, to be agents of grace, Uh, and of love. And uh, one of the things uh, I recently took a class on Amos, one of the things the instructor highlighted from that book is that where God in scripture rails against injustice and oppression, that is the gospel for those who have received injustice, for those who have been oppressed. I find it interesting too that in Acts chapter 15, James uses Amos chapter Mm 9 about the injustice of forcing uh, Gentiles to be circumcised. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there, there, there's so much application, but you know, if you are a victim of abuse in any way, shape, or form, whether it's you know criminal, physical abuse, whether it's the 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 psychological abuse of someone being a manipulator in the church or in your life or what, whatever the case might be, uh, the the consistent message of Scripture is that God knows about it, God cares about it, and God uh, fights against abuse. He is the great uh, bringer of justice. And the freer of the the deliverer of those who have been oppressed. And that really uh, is an application of the gospel in your life is that Jesus came and died to release the bondage, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. release those who are in oppression uh, Mm -hmm. from bondage. And that applies to practical uh, everyday uh, aspects as well as to the forgiveness of sins and the bondage to sin we have. Mm -hmm. So Jason, if you were to... Go back to this episode where you said something going beyond what you maybe should have in a, in a sense. And in light of, of the scriptural principle that you were sharing at that time, is there a way that you would reword that? Or, or how would you still say the same point that you were saying and yet caution it 
in, in that way. I, I guess I'm I'm thinking too. I just the scripture came to mind here of 1 Corinthians six about uh, would you rather not suffer wrong? Uh, why not rather be defrauded? And I think what the Apostle Paul there is talking about is as believers in Christ being set free by the gospel. We're not sue happy people demanding a. I don't know what's a word, a quid pro quo or, yeah. or a, um, I, need, I need payment uh, for yeah. this. But um, can we kind of circle around? and? It's such a complex issue to unpack. And, and you really get into issues of morality and ethics with this. Uh, I mean, if we're going to address this theologically as a pastor, we, we do so very carefully and, and with the caveat that we're, we're trying not to miss specific situations. It comes to us as a matter of scripture. We as Christians in the temporal world that we live in right now, the here and now, we have no rights. Our rights are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that allows Christians to live for eternity, knowing that whatever we suffer, uh, whatever injustice, large or small, that comes against us as Christians uh, pales in comparison to what we've received from God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, so that's the, the guiding principle. Now, that being said, that does not mean we are to allow ourselves to be walked all over, taken mm-hmm. advantage of, or, or things like that. And this is, again, where vocation comes into play. Yeah. Uh, one of the the great ethical situations that we we addressed in this class of mine is say, okay, let's say someone comes and robs your home, an armed robbery in the middle of the night. Uh, If it's just you yourself in a vacuum, uh, you would have every responsibility to not harm that, that, you know, to, to just say, you know, do whatever you want to me, my eternities in heaven, whatever. But you have neighbors to think of. If that armed assailant uh, attacks me and kills me, he is also killing the husband of my wife and mm-hmm. the father of my children. And so your vocations go to those things. Uh, you also have to, uh, under vocation, uh, understand what your, uh, how you love your enemy uh, Jesus is very clear about loving your enemy. And uh, several books that are out there talk about that we are loving our enemy by bringing them to justice because justice is always in God's economy an opportunity for repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we don't uh, vengefully or spitefully uh, cry out for retribution, but if someone robs you, you want them to be corrected that they might have an opportunity to become brother or sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I, I hesitate always addressing these issues like that because it really neuters the subject. There's mm-hmm. much more pain. There, there's much more reality involved I, yeah, in that. We just had somebody in my congregation that had their garage uh, robbed one night and they took like $5,000 worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's interesting as a pastor to come alongside of them mm-hmm. and to listen to their, their hurt and their pain and, and uh, yet be thankful that their life was spared and, you know, th- those sorts of things. And so, yeah, I think you're right there. It's, it's more complex and, and varies by situation to situation as well. And that's the key, I think. I don't know that there's a formula answer for something this complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, each situation is its own situation and you go to scripture and you, you pull those principles out and apply them as best you can. 
guided by the Holy Spirit, obviously saturated with prayer, mm-hmm. uh, and just really leaning on the Lord uh, to lead and to guide. And, and, and really, where it always ends up for us as Christians is with the gospel. And mm-hmm. If you've been wounded, yep. uh, if you've been a victim, I mean, even in the situation where, where only, mm-hmm. air quotes, sure. only property has been stolen right. and it's replaceable and it's insured or whatever, still, if your house has been robbed or your property has been, has been robbed, you feel violated. You, mm-hmm. you feel unsafe in your own home. No one should ever have to feel unsafe in their own home, but that's the, the situation. When you're a victim, you cry out to God for mercy. Mm-hmm. You say, Lord, have mercy. Uh, if you have been the perpetrator of a crime, big or small, insignificant, or, or you know, however you want, sure. if you realize, uh, as the law accuses you of sin, the, the, the purpose of the law in your life is also to cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, Lord, forgive me for how I have wounded mm-hmm. my neighbor, whether it's wife, children, church member, mm-hmm. random stranger, whatever the case might be. And so the governing principle of the Christian's life ends up always being law and gospel, yeah. that the law is uh, accusing us of sin, is identifying sin in our neighbor's life. And we have a mandate from Scripture that we are to proclaim the law to our neighbors to bring them to repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the, the 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 thing that brought about this whole discussion was me saying, when that happens, we are always in our sinful nature way more prone to identify the sin in our neighbor than the mm-hmm. sin in our own lives, sure. and to be aware of that principle. But we we don't uh, minimize the sin. Mm-hmm. But then we cry out for mercy, and when we cry out for mercy, we have the promise from Scripture: everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone who cries out to God, will be saved. Mm-hmm. And God always has mercy; His mercy never comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Amen. Hallelujah! I think that might be a good place to end this episode. Any closing thoughts, guys, on on this topic? None. I think just using wisdom. Um, God never sets out intentionally for anyone to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, sin has brought that on. Uh, sin right. has brought that on uh, through Satan's deception in the Garden of Eden, and God is there redeeming that pain. He wants to redeem that pain. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we're not going to feel the effects of that pain or that we'll have long-lasting uh, scars, but God wants to heal the wounds so that those scars can remind us of the great scars that are in the back of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has paid it all. And, and because of those scars on Jesus Christ, God has for us delivered an eternity free of pain, free of suffering, Amen. free of sorrow. And, and that is the hope <laughs> of all who uh, have been redeemed by Christ. Amen. That's a good, sweet gospel to end this time together. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Please look for us on the web at beinglutheran.com. Join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself continue on the Ten Commandments, beginning a discussion on the Sixth Commandment.